expanding the table looks like this. Relationships would be deepened. Barriers of age, race, gender would be broken. Invitations to the table would be endless. Lives would be transformed by the love of Christ. Morning, church. Welcome back to week two of our series, Expanding the Table 2020. Um, for these three weeks, last week and next week, including this week, we're revisiting our vision as a church. And so next week, we're going to be looking at some key initiatives for 2020. And if you were here last week, you may remember that Pastor Dave spoke about being a three-chair church. So if you picture these three chairs, the right chair represents the past, this represents all the generations that have come before us and those who have longevity here, preserving and living out the gospel legacy of Millington Baptist Church. That's the right chair. Now, the middle chair right here represents the present. This chair represents all of us who are here now who are committed to the mission and vision of Millington Baptist Church. And then there is the left chair that we talked about. The left chair is those that are not here yet. Those are those who are yet to come and yet to be part of our body. Now, here at NBC, we want to be about expanding the table for the glory of God. We want to add more left-hand chairs so that God's table can expand and we can live out what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 4, that grace would extend to more and more people. We want to live out that vision and let the table get bigger. So you can see this week, it's not just this table, but we've added another table this week. How can we add more chairs? Well, with that being said, let me share with you a story as we start today. Back in 2005, Amazon launched their Prime service. How many Amazon Prime members are there out there? Okay, I see a lot of hands. All right, so you know that the biggest draw, in my opinion, of Amazon Prime is that free two-day shipping that you get, right? So like clockwork, you can go online, you can order a product, and magically, within 48 hours, a package that looks a little bit like this will appear on your door or in your mailbox. Some of you actually order multiple packages, and so your dining room table like this looks, looks a bit like this. It's got a bunch of smiles on it. And then after that, your garage is filled with the cardboard boxes you need to take to recycling, so you got to figure somebody to help you do that. Well, I put a card in your bulletin today with an Amazon logo on it. It looks a bit like this, so I'd ask you to pull that out now. Um, I'm asking you just to hold on to it for a few minutes because we're going to come back to it. I'm going to use it later in the sermon. Now, I have to admit... I used to, I, I am so used to the efficiency and timeliness of Amazon delivery that when something goes wrong with that delivery, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Now, recently this happened to our family. My mom ordered some clothes for our three-year-old daughter, and on the evening that those clothes were supposed to arrive, she texted me and she asked, had they come yet? And so I, I looked around, I looked at our, our different doorways, and I couldn't find them. And I thought, wow, okay. Uh, this isn't like Amazon Prime to be late. <laughs> so I walked down to the mailbox, 
And uh, boom, there it was. There was a package in my mailbox, and I was so relieved to know that Amazon had not failed me. (laughs) Or had they? (laughs) Now, I picked up that package, I went back to the house, and I looked at the shipping label, and it turns out this package was not meant for me. It was meant for my neighbor. Have you ever had that happen to you, that somebody delivered a package for your neighbor at your house? Amazon failed me. Well, I have to make a true confession here. This package was meant for a neighbor I had never met. Because we live over here on Valley Road. So if you go to the the, uh, stoplight and you make a right, Valley Road is this busy road over here next to the cemetery. It looks a little bit like this. Um, It's usually busier than this. There's more cars. And if you cross a street like this, you are literally taking your life into your hands. Uh, Still, I had the plan to go over the next day and take that take that package and drop it into my neighbor's mailbox, uh, never having to meet them. Now, I suspect that I am not the only one who would do this. You get a wrongly delivered Amazon package in your mailbox, and you say, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go put it in my neighbor's mailbox, and it's going to be all good, even though I haven't had to meet them. Well, truthfully, I would have done that, except that God intervened in my life, Because that night, my wife came home, and she picked up the package that I hadn't taken over yet, and she opened it up, not looking at the mailing label. And I looked at her, and I said, what did you do? We're going to get arrested for opening people's mail. Now, I have to go meet these people next door and explain what happened. At that moment, I had some choice words for Jeff Bezos. So the next day, I I walked to the end of our driveway, I peered both ways on Valley Road, and I, by God's grace, sprinted across to the other side, and I lived. (laughs) Well, it turns out that this family across the street from me is a Jewish family, and they attend the Chabad right across the street over there. Um, I walked up to them, I introduced myself, and I said, hey, I'm one of the pastors from Millington, and I'm really sorry, but we accidentally opened up your wrongly delivered Amazon package. Can you forgive me? Well, the husband actually is one of the rabbis over there. <laughs> they were very gracious, <laughs> and the kicker here is they actually, what happened is they got my package, and they also opened it up. <laughs> And I've been waiting like three weeks to tell that story. (laughs) In that moment, we struck up a friendship. We had a great laugh, all because of this wrongly delivered Amazon package. Now, here's the convicting thing for me in the whole story. I never met this neighbor because I was too afraid to cross Valley Road. And it wasn't just that, because what what I, I, I didn't tell you before is I made excuses. You know, I would sit outside my house, I would see that family, and I would think, you know what, I should go meet them. I'll do it later. And every time I would see them, it was like, oh, well, the season will change. Now it'll be warmer or, you know, just tomorrow I'll do it. And I never did until God divinely orchestrated a moment for me to meet my Jewish neighbor. So my question as we start here today is this, what is your valley road? In other words, what is the thing that is keeping you from walking across the street or down the hallway or across the room to meet someone who may be outside the faith and yet they live next door to you, they work down the the hallway from you, uh, they go to school with you? What is keeping you from inviting them to the table? Perhaps it will take a wrongly delivered Amazon package to get you there. 
Now, on the back of this card, I have two questions for you to think about, and I want you to think about them throughout the message, because at the end, we're going to come back, and I'm, I'm actually going to ask you to write something down. The first question is this, who needs the mystery? I'll explain that in a second. The other question is just what I asked, what is your valley road? So be thinking about that. Who, who is somebody God may be calling you to reach, and what is the obstacle to getting you there? Because there's three groups of people in this room today. Three groups of people who won't cross the road and build relationships with non-Christians or people who are different than them. And it happens for all kinds of different reasons. The first group are people who are scared. Right? You're not willing to cross the road because you're scared of what might happen. And listen, I sympathize. You're like the disciples in the boat when the storm was raging and Jesus was walking on the water. There is no way that you think you would step out of that boat for fear of what might happen. And as a result, you, you actually don't have a real relationship with a non-Christian. And I'm not just talking about a passing acquaintance. I'm talking about like a real friendship with somebody outside the faith. The second group are those who are apathetic. And this group of people knows, hey, I should reach out, but I'm just really, I'm not motivated. You know, you like your table just the way it is. Let's just keep the table like the way it is last week. Let's not add this second table over here. Uh, let's not upset the apple cart. Now, the third group are those that are hard-hearted. <clears throat> people in this category will not cross the street because you don't believe that those people deserve your time and attention. You're like Jonah, who refused to go to Nineveh when God called him to go because he thought that those people deserve God's judgment. Does anyone resonate with these categories? Because I suspect that all of us have been in one of those categories at some point in our lives. But if we want to see God's table expanded for his glory, what we need to do is move from fear to faith. We need to move from apathy to urgency. We need to have our hard hearts become soft hearts for those that don't know Christ. And when that happens, the table will get bigger and bigger and bigger. We won't have enough room on this stage to have the amount of tables that we need. Now, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 today, where the Apostle Paul shares about the mystery of the gospel and his calling to proclaim it to the world. And so today what I want to do is share with you three reasons why you should invite others to the table. <clears throat> First, we should invite others to the table because we know the mystery. Secondly, we should invite others to the table because we are chosen ministers. And thirdly, we should invite others to the table because God's plan is sovereign. With that in mind, and before we dive in, let's pray for God's grace today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who nudges us in directions that we don't want to go, in directions that make us uncomfortable, Lord. But we know that your heart is to see those who don't know you come to a saving faith and to, um, and to have us invite them to your table, Lord, that at the end of days there will be a great banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb, Lord. May we have our hearts and minds turned towards that today. And we pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, so the truth is, all of us, if we are in Christ, know the mystery of the gospel. And before we dive into Ephesians chapter 3, let me back up and give you some context. So Ephesians chapter 2. 
Paul goes to painstaking lengths to explain our story, yours and mine. He basically says that we're dead people, living however we want apart from God. He even calls us children of wrath, which is harsh, right? But then he reminds us what he did for us in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, that is the sweetest two words in the whole Bible, but God. But God. But God. Church, never forget that all of us were once far from God, but God, in his rich mercy, poured out his grace upon us, made us alive, and invited us to have a seat and eat at his table. That's the good news of the gospel. But not everyone gets the implications of this right away. In fact, if you skip further down in chapter 2, Paul explains that there had been a division between Jew and Gentile. Because historically, the Jews were God's chosen people, and everyone else was Gentiles. Gentiles, in the Jewish mind, were pagans. They were not worthy of salvation. In fact, the Gentiles, when they started placing their faith in Jesus Christ, the Jewish Christians would look down upon them as second-class citizens. And so ironically, one of the main reasons for that was what the Gentiles ate The Jewish dietary laws set them apart as God's chosen people, but the Gentiles ate all kinds of unclean food, like hot dogs, because who knows what's in those anyway. (laughs) And so as a result, among Jewish Christians and Gentile believers, there was rarely table fellowship. Did you hear that? The Jewish Christians were not willing to expand the table for the Gentiles because of what they ate. Even though God had clearly communicated to Peter in Acts chapter 10 that he had a plan to reach the Gentiles. This was a major problem, and Paul reiterates the solution in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. He says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So don't miss this. In Jesus Christ, if you were far off, you've now been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's made peace. He's united Jew and Gentile. He's broken down the wall. And now the table can expand because of what Jesus Christ did. All of this sets up the expansion of the gospel message to the outsiders that Paul, said, Paul talks about in Ephesians 3. And so Paul opens that chapter with a prayer, saying he's been sent by Jesus to reach the Gentiles. But then, right at the beginning, he pauses the prayer, and he starts preaching to the Ephesian Christians. He says this, I'm assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. See, Paul is preaching to Gentile believers here. And I'll assume most of us in this room are Gentiles. So we should listen up. He uses two key phrases that we should take note of. First, he says that he is a steward of God's grace. Now that phrase refers to, refers to the responsibility God has given to Paul, and I would argue to all of us, to share the message of God's grace with those who don't know. 
Now, to steward something means you are responsible for it. In other words, we are responsible to pass on that message of grace. Secondly, he says, I have a mystery that was made known to me. What is the mystery? Well, he explains it in verse 6. He says this, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That the content of this mystery is certainly Jesus Christ, that he is the Christ, but more than that, it is the reality that God's plan of redemption has extended to the Gentiles, to the outsiders. And so as a result, God does not discriminate in who he desires to save and see come to the table. And that's a hard message for the Jewish believers to hear. I mean, they're asking questions like, how can the, Jew, the Gentiles be fellow heirs? Members of the same body? Receiving this, our same promise in Christ? Sitting at the same table with us? How can this be? Well, take notice of that, that phrase, same body, because there's, there's a crazy fact associated with that. Paul actually makes up a totally new Greek word. He creates a new word to emphasize God's plan to both unite Jew and Gentile, insiders and outsiders in the same body, at the same table. This is the content of the mystery of Ephesians 3. Now, I want to press in on this point for a few minutes, because I think when it comes to church today, we act the same way as these early Jewish believers did. So think about this table image. Some of us like our tables to be smaller, like we had it last week. We like it to be intimate so we can, we can share you know, our lives. Others of us would rather this table was bigger because we have huge families. We want it to be more chaotic, the more, the merrier, Right? But I think all of us want to be comfortable. We like our food prepared a certain way. We like it when we get grace, but we often don't want to extend that grace to others. We want to keep the mystery to ourselves. In fact, let me come back to that Amazon package for a minute. See, imagine you get something like this in your mail, and it's, an anonymous, it's from an anonymous sender. It's a gift that comes via Amazon Prime, and then you receive it, and you open up the contents of the package, and it's the most amazing gift you could possibly have ever received, but it's meant to be shared with others. Except you want this mystery gift for yourself. And so you keep it inside the package, and you open it up so you can enjoy it, but you don't give it to anybody else. You've become a hoarder of the gift, and you miss what Paul was saying to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. It's more blessed to give than receive. See, this is what it's like when we don't extend the message of God's grace to those in our lives who don't know him. That there are people in this world who are starving for the food that only Jesus can offer. There are people in this world who are thirsty for the living water that only Jesus can offer and we're not willing to cross the table and invite them to sit down at the to cross this road and invite them to eat at the table. So think about this, who are the gentiles today? The outsiders, who are the outsiders in your life? Who needs an invitation to the table to experience the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ? Because listen, 
I imagine all of us have a list in our minds of people we won't associate with. So just think about it. Who are the neighbors, the people around you you won't associate it with? Maybe it's your old neighbor or your young neighbor. Maybe it's your black neighbor or your white neighbor or your Asian neighbor or your Jewish neighbor or your Muslim neighbor, right? Your rich neighbor, your poor neighbor, your LGBTQ neighbor, your conservative neighbor, your liberal neighbor, your obnoxious neighbor, your special needs neighbor, who are the neighbors you will not associate with? And the truth is, we don't want those people at our table. Right? Some of us may even say, I don't care what God's doing in those, that person's life. They're not getting a seat at my table. These descriptors keep us from being good stewards of the message of the grace of God. All people need Jesus, and he asks us, his followers, to invite them to the table so that they can experience his grace. Now, let me offer a caveat here. If you're raising an objection in your mind right now, I am not talking at all about inviting doctrinal compromise into the church. What I am saying is that we have to be willing to cross the road to open the Amazon package so that these people can hear the gospel from people who actually care about them. Because friends, we know the mystery and we need to share it. We need to get some extra chairs for the table. Now, if you've ever been to an event here at Millington, sometimes more people show up than we expected. And when that happens, I call up Scott Rajapi and I say, Scott, we need more chairs. And Scott starts running across and he goes and he gets more chairs and he puts them on a hand truck and he starts bringing them across as quickly as he can. I say, Scott, hurry up. More people need to sit down. And he plops it down here and then he starts as quickly as he can picking up chairs and adding them to the table. See, we know the mystery. And what that means is we need to add more left-hand chairs to the table that if we want to expand the table, we need to, to take that mystery, make it plain to those who don't believe in love. And more and more people, as more and more people experience his grace, the table will expand. We know the mystery, but we are also chosen ministers. That's the second point. See, in the first part of chapter 3, Paul explains the mystery but in the second part, he discusses the implications of knowing this mystery. Look at what he writes in verse 7. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So take notice of that phrase, made a minister. Most commentators think this verse is referring to Paul's conversion experience on the Damascus Road. And so essentially, Paul is saying, when I became a Christian, Jesus saved me, and God chose me to be a minister according to the gift of his grace. Now, the word minister here does not simply, it doesn't relate simply to ordained clergy, right? It, he's, it's a calling of all Christians, that all of us, if we have experienced the kind favor of God's grace, are called to minister in the name of Jesus in our gifting. All of us are called to share our faith. All of us are called to serve. Now, to use that Amazon analogy again, all of us are not just, we don't just receive the Amazon package, all of us are Amazon delivery people. 
right? Not only did we get that package with the mystery of the gospel inside of it, but you're called to deliver that package, to take it, and now deliver it to other people. Now, some of you are saying, well, Amazon is testing out using drones, so that means I can use that and not actually have to meet my neighbor. <laughs> I guess that's where the analogy breaks down, but I would, I would argue I would argue that we're called to go eyeball to eyeball and deliver the message to the lost and the broken. And the message is this, come to the table and eat. Come to the table and drink the living water you're thirsty for. Because when we place our faith in Christ, God chooses us to deliver his message. And Paul doesn't stop there. Look, verse eight, he says this, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, Paul says, I was given grace, yes, but to preach to who? To the Gentiles, to the outsiders, that they need to know the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, Paul's calling, and our calling too, is to preach the gospel to the outsider. Now, that word unsearchable is a very interesting one in the Greek, it's the word used to describe a tracker or somebody who like traces footprints. So it's used in this context to explain the idea of searching, that, that Paul is using it to describe the idea of searching for the unending depths of knowing Christ. And so as people explore the gospel, we need to pull up a chair, lead them to the table, because Paul was called to the Gentiles, but ask yourself today, who are you called to? All of us are ministers. All of us have a calling to reach someone. Who is it? Who needs the Amazon package that you have? Paul continues in verse 9. He says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. Why does Paul go to the Gentiles? To bring the light, to make the mystery known. See, people who don't know Christ need light. They need spiritual food. Last Saturday, I had the opportunity to attend a Thanksgiving dinner put on by my friend Amun Sharon. He's the guy in the middle here. Now, some of you may remember him because he spoke at, our, at, at NBC uh, in our Engaging Muslims class earlier this fall. He runs a ministry in Metuchen, New Jersey to reach Muslims. One of the groups he runs is called South Asian Fellowship, and it's a ministry designed to meet non-believers where they are in their questions. And the Thanksgiving dinner I attended was a way for the ministry to bless people in the community and share the love of Christ. Larry Blakeman and I went. Um, there was delicious food, and we got to have uh, conversations with people who don't know Christ as we shared a meal. A moon feels a calling to Muslims. Why? because he wants to bring the light, to make the mystery known, offering an invitation to the table of God. See, Amun challenges me, but I'm also challenged by people here at NBC and what they're doing. See, the reason Amun spoke in our Engaging Muslims class is because Larry Blakeman, who's teaching the class, said, I'm developing a heart for this people group. Now, let's teach a class on how to reach Muslims with the gospel. Last summer, Paul and Kathy Wilford came to Dave and I and said, hey, we want to start a small group that reaches people who have questions about the faith. See, people here at NBC are developing a heart to reach those who are not yet at the table. We're desiring to add another left-hand chair to this table. 
how can you help add another left-hand chair? Because God's grace needs to extend to more and more people. Now, I mentioned at the beginning here, there's three groups of people in this room. Three groups who don't want to cross their own valley road. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you're apathetic. Maybe you're hard-hearted. I don't know. But if you are a Christian, all of us are ministers. We all are Amazon delivery people. So we need to ask the question, where does my delivery need to go? And if we don't want to do the job, we got to pray. We got to pray and say, God, move my heart. Change my heart, Lord. See, for me... I had to work up the courage to cross Valley Road and meet my Jewish neighbor. And this was a moment that God orchestrated, right? If you, if you pass by the Chabad, you will see that they're building, very soon, a new sanctuary. And a few weeks ago, they contacted Pastor Dave and myself and Scott Rajapi, and they said, we'd love to have you come over for this groundbreaking service. And it was right you know, before this invitation that I, I, uh, I received my Amazon package that was wrongly delivered. So God nudged me. And now that I've worked up the courage, we've had coffee together with the rabbis. And we're starting to talk about things of faith. In fact, here's, here's a picture of us. We're fellowshipping down at Starbucks. <laughs> we enjoyed beginning a friendship. See, the fact is we're hoping to continue this friendship. We're, we're hoping to visit maybe one of their temple services. Amanda and I hope to have the family over so we can use hospitality as an inroad for the gospel, expanding the table for the glory of God. Now, let's come back again to the table here because one of the ways that we expand the table is by inviting people into our homes who don't believe. Author Rosario Butterfield wrote a book entitled The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Great book. In the book, she talks about this practice of radically ordinary hospitality for the sake of the gospel. This is what she writes. She says, radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. When our Christian homes are open, we make transparent to a watching world what Christ is doing in our bodies, our families, and our world. See, if you want to see the table expanded for the glory of the God, it begins in your home at your table, crossing your valley road, inviting someone into your life so that you have the opportunity to share your life with them and hopefully share Christ with them. Last week, Pastor Dave mentioned the passing of Barbara Zellman, one of the giants of the faith here at Millington. And I was struck at her memorial service by the number of stories I heard about her connecting with her neighbors and letting them know she cared about them. Barbara knew she was a chosen minister and she lived out the gospel before a watching world. See, I hope, I hope people can say that about me when I go. Because if you're a person of hospitality, guess what? Word starts spreading. And people knew that about Barbara and it increased her witness. She showed what it looks like to add another left-hand chair to the table because that was her heart, to see more people come to the table and know the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does it look like for you? At, a at church here, we have striven to accomplish this through community events like our trunk or treats. It's our way of loving on the community and adding left-hand chairs that hopefully people will come in fact, let me just show you a video from that event that happened just a few weeks ago so you can catch a flavor of what's happening here at NBC. Watch this. 
Hey NBC, Trunk or Treat was another successful event this year. Thank you all who came out, um, whether you came to enjoy it or came um, to help out. We had 25 amazing trunks decorated, so if that was you, thank you. We had probably 400 trunk retreaters and their families come by, and it was just a steady flow of people all night. I think everyone had a great time. Thank you if you were some of our volunteers who were helping inside with crafts, games, or even parking outside. It was just a great event overall. So NBC, we can't do this without you, and thanks again. It was a great, great year. Now what a way to redeem Halloween for the glory of God. And thank you to those of you that came out and served, and thank you especially to those of you who decided to dress up. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, this is a fabulous event that is, is, is an opportunity to connect and level in our community. And, and again, thank you to everyone who served. Now what I want you to know here today is that word is spreading. In fact, last Sunday I was on the porch with, uh, with Don Ray, and uh, one of the Bernards Township police officers stopped by and, and told us and complimented us on what a welcoming atmosphere we have at the church, because what we do is we invite the police to come help us at these events. Opportunities to share the gospel abound. Word is spreading because of events like Trunk or Treat, like our Easter egg hunt. In fact, I constantly meet people in town who comment on how well done and welcoming our events are. I was told in the spring at my daughter's Jimboree class that we had the best Easter egg hunt in town. And that is a huge testament to all of you who give and who serve, at th serve sacrificially at events like this. We've been complimented by local groups like Community in Crisis who participated in our underground sessions event a couple years ago. That they're thankful that we're taking the time to have conversations about these important topics. And while all these people might not be Christians yet, they know our church is here for the community and is a place filled with the love of Christ. Why? Because we're striving to add left-hand chairs to the table. And church, we are all chosen ministers of the gospel. We are all called to go to someone and bring the light of the gospel. And as we do, the table will expand. But here's where I want to finish today, because God has us right where we need to be because his plan is sovereign. That's point number three. God's plan is sovereign. And this is the truth I don't want you to miss today. God has placed you, all of you, where you are for a reason. That it's not a mistake that you're living in the neighborhood you're living in. It's not a mistake that you're working at the job you're working at for whatever season you're there. It's not a mistake that you're involved in this church before Amanda and I lived on Valley Road in the house, we, we lived in Spring Ridge, um, the big condo development across the street. And we lived in several condos, but the last one, we really very much felt like God placed us there to be next to our neighbors. We lived next door to a couple, and while we lived there, the husband wound up passing away of brain cancer. And it was during that time that we had the opportunity to invite them into our condo for games, for dinner. 
we had the opportunity to minister to the wife when the husband died. See, make no mistake, God has you where you are for a reason because his plan is sovereign. So you need to assume you need more seats at the table. Paul says we need to bring light to everyone. And so listen to how he concludes verse 10. He says this, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Did you hear that? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. See, friends, not only are you living and working where you are for gospel impact, but our church has been sovereignly placed where it is. And as we learned last week, Millington Baptist Church has been on this corner for nearly 170 years, and we don't want to stop adding chairs to the table. And so what we need to do is we need to pray, Lord, would you give us a heart for those around us so that your table would increase? Would you give us a heart so that your kingdom would increase? Help us to add not one chair. Help us to add not two chairs. See, I don't even have enough room to add these chairs over here. Help us to add those cha- more chairs than we can imagine. May the baptismal waters flow with the stories of people whose lives have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our hearts. That's our heart. See, God placed us here for a reason. God placed us in this town for a reason. God has brought all of you here at this time, however long it is, for a reason, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known because the mystery of the gospel is revealed through the faithful witness of God's people for God's glory. And when it is, we're going to need a whole lot more seats at the table. Verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith. In other words, God has a plan, and that plan is Jesus Christ. That plan was conceived in ages past because of his love for lost people who needed to be saved, church. People are saved through the atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and the church is empowered with boldness because of that same sacrifice. And that boldness should give us the strength to cross the valley road in our lives. Because as I learned, sometimes you get the wrong package for the right reason. And I was able to meet my neighbor because it was a divine appointment. But now the question for me and for all of you is this. Will I keep crossing the road? How about you? I mean, even today, is the Holy Spirit nudging you to invite someone to the table? I know, listen, I know the road can be intimidating. But if God is calling you, he will get you across. And the only way our church will see the table expanded is when the saints of God boldly and confidently cross the street and invite people to the table. So I want you to do two things as we close today. First, I want you to look at this table one more time because it looks a little different than it did last week, right? I know Thanksgiving is right around the corner and we're hungry, but think about this table and just ask yourself, am I willing to invite those who don't know Jesus to the table at my house? Am I willing to add a leaf into my table and make it bigger for the sake of reaching the outsider? Or will I keep the table as small as I possibly can and keep all the food for myself? 
Now, in the middle of the service, the ushers passed out a card highlighting all the events happening at NBC in December. And maybe, some of, maybe you know somebody who needs Christmas to be meaningful again. Well, invite them to our Advent Conspiracy Series. We're going to talk about that. Maybe you know somebody who loves musicals. Invite them to our His Kids show on December 7th. They'll hear the gospel. If you know kids or teens, there, there's a coffee house, a Christmas barbecue, a Jesus birthday party. You can serve with the women's ministry as they pack cookies for the poor. If you're a senior, invite some friends to the senior lunch. This is Friday. There was like almost 100 people at the senior lunch. There are so many ways to expand the table here at NBC. And beyond the walls of the church, you have opportunities, right? This Thanksgiving, maybe you invite somebody over who has nowhere to go. Maybe you start intentionally building relationships with your neighbors or the parents of people on your kids' sports teams or the people in your singing group. Maybe there's people at your gym that you have to build, you can, you've already built relationships with. It's time to cross Valley Road and, and take the conversation deeper so the table can be expanded. And if you're not ready to do that, be careful because God may send you the wrong package for the right reason. And so I'll finish today where I started with that, that card with the Amazon logo and those two questions. All of us, if we know Christ, have received an Amazon package with the gospel message in it. But we're also Amazon delivery people, and we need to take that message to others. So it's time to answer those questions on the back. First, who needs the mystery? Think of at least one name. Write it down. Write it down now. Write it down later. But write it down. In other words, who in God's sovereign plan has he placed in your circle that needs to hear the gospel? What would it look like to invite that person to the table? I mean, it could be a neighbor, a friend, coworker, a family member. And if you can't think of anybody right now, that's okay. That's okay. Just pray. Pray that God would reveal that person to you because all of us have at least one. Secondly, what is your valley road? In other words, what is your barrier to reaching that person? Write it down. Again, now or later. Think about it. Because maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe it's complacency. Maybe it's lack of love. Maybe, like me, it's literally a physical road that makes it really inconvenient to reach out. Ask yourself, what would it take for you to cross your valley road? And I'm going to ask you to keep this card, put it in your Bible, put it on your refrigerator, I don't know, put it somewhere, but don't lose it because I'm going to ask you to pray. And I mean seriously pray. Pray for God to show you who he wants you to reach and pray for God to remove the barriers in your heart to inviting that person to the table. Just pray. And if you really pray, I suspect that God will move on your heart and he's going to take you down to the end of the driveway. And when he does... I invite you to cross the road and expand the table for the glory of God. Can I pray for us today? I'm going to invite the worship team back on stage. They have one final song for us, I think a very fitting song. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you today for the mystery of the gospel that was delivered and deposited and sealed in our hearts, Lord God. Father, the grace that we don't deserve, but only by your unmerited favor, Lord, we praise you and thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, his blood that was poured out, his broken body that fulfilled the covenant for us, Lord. 
And because of that, you invited us to have a seat at your table, Lord. May we go now and invite others. May we tell others about the most amazing gift we've ever received. May our hearts and our mouths shout the phrase, come to the table with the others who have been redeemed. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.